My name is Jewel. Um, I've been here a couple times before. I think the last time I was here, I was back with our middle schoolers back there. And then I think in the fall, I was back here with you guys all up here. So um, I've done the introduction thing before. So I'll, I'll just kind of start in. Uh, if you guys do have your Bibles, if you want to open up to the book of James, we're in chapter 4. Uh, we're going to end up finishing up chapter 4 and into the very beginning of chapter 5. So if you want to find James 4. Uh, and so I, over the past few days, I've been trying to kind of figure out how I want to start this with you guys. And it didn't actually dawn on me until this morning. Like it was actually this morning where um, it was just kind of, so I'll, I'll just kind of tell you. So this morning, I um, do what I normally do on a Sunday morning is I went out for a run. Um, and some of you might think that's kind of weird. Um, yeah, I don't know. You might see me leave. I don't know every once in a while. But I went out for a run this morning. And when I got up, uh, I looked outside, and I was actually really disappointed. You guys, did you guys see what was out there when you guys got up this morning? Yeah, there was snow out there again. I was kind of hoping after Saturday we'd be done with that. Um, but no, there was snow out on the ground. So I, I took off down the street, um, and as I'm running, the snow's kind of pelting me in the face. I'm watching it on the ground. I can kind of see it in the grass there. But I noticed something that made me think about uh, what were you we talking about, James, today. I was watching the flakes fall. Uh, some of them hit me in the face for a while. There was little things pelting me. But I, I watched every single one of them hit the ground. Um, but do you know what happened when, as soon as they, immediately when they hit the ground there on the road, though, today? Yeah, they melted. They were gone. They were gone instantaneously. Like, they, they did not hang around for very long. And the first part of the scripture we're going to read tonight talks a little bit about that. Um, and it's something I've been, I've been kind of rattling around my head quite a bit. So seeing these snowflakes fall and just instantly disappear just kind of brought to mind uh, what I've been reading about in James. What I want to share with you guys tonight here at the very beginning. So if you guys can find James chapter 4, uh, we're going to be in verse 13 through 17 first. And so we're actually going to look at that next slide. It has just the first couple of verses. Um, and uh, this is uh, kind of after, um, I think last week, in the past couple weeks, you guys have been maybe a little bit out of order here. We're, we're going to kind of come back together at the end of chapter 4 and into chapter 5. Um, and so this is James now talking to probably people in, in a merchant class um, that are traders maybe. And these first two verses, um, he talks about them. They're, they're, they've got um, some thoughts about what they're going to do for their future plans. And so let's go ahead and read. We're going to read verses 13 and 14 together here first. And, and James starts out by saying, Come now, you who say, Today... Or tomorrow we'll go into such and such a town, spend a year there, and trade and make a profit. So they, they plan for their future. It says, uh, James, James takes this sentence then and next says, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. It says, What is your life? For you're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. And we're going to stop there for just a moment before we get to the next part of this because that's what those snowflakes reminded me of. I've been reading this part over and over again of... of um, these people were making these plans for their future. They decide we're going to go into this town, we're going to make a profit, and we're going to uh, live here for a year. And James reminds them this idea that your life is, is like a mist. Uh, it was like those snowflakes that I saw this morning that traveled down and then quickly just, just vanished. And I'm 35 years old. How many of you are less than half of my age right now? Yeah, almost all of you. If you're under about 17, you're less than half of my age. So I don't know what you think about that thought about life being like a mist, or life being like that snowflake. So there's a few other verses that I was looking through and going, okay, does the Bible say anything more about this? And there are several in Psalms that I found too that I thought would be interesting for us to kind, kind of look at. Uh, the first one, Psalms 144, uh, four, it says, man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. How many of you over the course of this winter have been outside in the cold? You've walked outside in the cold and you breathe out and what do you see? Fog, mist, you see your breath there. What happens pretty much immediately though? goes away, 
right? Your life and man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. If you can see right now, all the shadows have just about gone because that sun is setting, which is a nice thing that sets now at around like 7 o'clock rather than 6 o'clock. But those shadows are fleeting, and they're gone quickly. Um, in Psalms 102.3, it says, For my days pass away like smoke, and my bones burn like a furnace. Smoke is another thing that, that's here, and it's gone quickly. Uh, you might wonder, like, so why bring those up here in this very first part, this idea of life being like a mist? Um, it's because so often I think in a day-to-day basis, I was, I've been reading this past few weeks, I realize I don't act like that in my life. And maybe you don't act like that in your life, where you treat your life as something that, that is frail and is short. We're gone like a mist. And so I was trying to think back to when I was 15. Now, you guys, I look at you guys. You got um, like these, these skinny leg jeans, right? You're all in your sweatshirts. And I was thinking about what was my life like when I was 15 years old? Well, I'll tell you, my jeans were about this big around at the bottom, right? Yeah, you could not see my shoes, right? I, I thought I was cool. I, I had hair that was nice and long, parted right down the middle, combed down to both sides, and yeah, like your dad. Yeah, there you go. It's just, yeah, I, I'm, I'm old now, but that was cool back then. If you would have been a teenager back in 1996, then that would have been what you would have looked like too. But I was thinking back to how I would have viewed life back then. And I don't think very often there are many times where I actually spent some time thinking about the fact that my life is actually fleeting, that my life is actually just like a mist, like a vapor, like a smoke, right, like a breath. But then I thought there was one time, there was a time, and this is going to kind of have you for a minute, there's a time in my life when I was 15 years old. This is two days after Christmas in 1998. I was a freshman in high school, and we were um, at my house uh, with my brother, who's two years younger than me, and my parents, and we got a call from my grandmother. And I can remember this, this is probably one of the first times that it kind of hit me that, that life is fleeting, that these moments we have here are short. And then we got a call that said my cousin Jessica, who was 18 at the time, she worked at a grocery store, uh, had, had been driving to work, had um, slipped on, she, her car had slid on some ice, and she had gone into a guardrail, and, and she had passed away that night. She was three years older than me. I don't think I'd ever really contemplated much death before then. Before then, it had been my, my grandparents, people who lived uh, a long time, in my eyes, I guess, a long time on this earth. But that was the first time that that really hit me. And I'm noticing the older and older I get, the more and more I notice that. But it wasn't something I really thought of here. And James is talking about that for a very important reason. Uh, One of the things I want you guys to think about tonight is this idea that that your life, my life, our lives are like a vapor, like a mist. They're short. Um, And oftentimes we don't live like that. The people that James is talking about here says, today or tomorrow we'll go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. These people have made a plan for their lives. Uh, They've decided what they're going to do here in the next year. And and James is telling me, he goes, look, your life is just like a mist, like a vapor. It's like smoke. It's like a breath. It's going to be here and it's going to be gone. Um, And so he goes on to say uh, a little bit more here in the next part. But before we get to that, I want to just kind of pose a question for you guys. At the end, we're going to do a little bit of time with questions uh, for you guys to think about. But this, this part of the first part of James chapter's uh, 4 verses 15 and 16 really made me think about the ideas of um, where is it in my day-to-day life where, where I don't have a dependence on God? Where is it where I've decided to make plans for myself? Uh, where have I decided that the things I'm going to do are the important things and the thing God wants me to do is, is secondary or is something I don't even think about on a daily basis? 
And so that's one of the things I want us to think about tonight as we get into the next part, because as James talks about this idea that our life is like a vapor, like a mist, he's going to tell them, this is how you should speak. And so if you want to go ahead and go to that next slide, I want us to take a look at verses 15, 16, and 17. Our verses 15, 16, and 17 say, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we'll live and we'll do this or that. Right, right there. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, you'll do this or that. And it's Everything that's said is, but that first part is the thing that's just been kind of in my head for the past few weeks, this idea, if the Lord wills. I want to think about that for a minute, and I was, I was thinking about this, um, and I've probably been more cognizant or thinking about this more in this past week than I ever have, but I, I think back to how many times this past school year. So since August, if you don't remember, I teach this school as well, so my year starts in August and runs through May, and then I'm off with you guys as well during the summertime, which I really enjoy. But I'm thinking about this school year. How many times during this school year have I honestly thought for myself, if this is your will, Lord, that's what I'm going to go do, right? And how many times during the school year I've actually thought of, well, this is my plan for the week. Okay? These are the things that I'm going to do, or this is my plan for the year, and these are the things that I'm going to do. How often do I actually take the time and think, God, if this is your will for my life, right? That's what I'm going to do. And so that's one of the things I want to challenge you with tonight. And when you guys go to small groups, you're going to talk a little bit about. I'm curious for you guys to think a little bit about this as well this week. As you guys are reading these verses again, I, I sincerely hope that you do over the course of this week. I want you to consider and think about what would your life look like differently? How would it be different than what it is right now? If even just for the next week, and it doesn't, so I'm not even talking about beyond that, but even just for the next week, you woke up tomorrow morning and you said, Lord, I'm, I'm going to follow your will in, in everything I do. If that's something you verbally say and you express, that I'm going to follow your will for my life. I'm not going to make plans apart from you, right? Everything I do is going to be submitted to what you have for me. And that's been something that's going in and out of my head over the past couple weeks of, Lord, if, if you want me to do this, I'll do it, right? I want to tell you, that's not to say that I don't have plans. I, I want to tell you a few things about some of my plans. I'll tell you, I've got a wife. How many of you have had Mrs. Zare in class before? You know, sixth grade language arts teacher? That is my wife. Right, I've got two little boys. I've got Asher. He's nine, and he's getting taller every day, kind of like Cameron Manning. I remember you when you were nine. You were about the same height as Asher. I'm afraid he's going to get as tall as you are. Right? I've got a little son named Eli. I've got plans for if something were to happen to me down the road so that they'd be taken care of. And, and that's not exactly what we're talking about tonight. So I want you to think about this idea in terms of plans. There's a difference between what we see in verses 13 and 14 and verse 15 here. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we'll live and do this or that. And then verses 16 goes on to say, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. And so we're going to go into those verses 16 and 17 here in a little bit, but I want you to keep in mind this idea of submitting your own plans to God's will cool thing about this book of James is my father-in-law did a study of it and did a series of blog posts on his website about James. And so I've had some really cool conversations with him over the past few years. Uh, I should say over the past few months. Past few months to be better because that's when we started studying James. Um, and one of the things he did was a study on this part of James. And he, we talked for a long time about plans. He says he has plans. Plans in them, of themselves are not bad things. How many of you have a plan for tomorrow morning before you go to school? Like there is a set routine that you do. How many of your set routine is wake up and go, oh, no, I have to go to school in five minutes? Yeah, there's some of you. Perfect. But you've got a, you've got a plan for tomorrow morning. I'll, I'll tell you, I have a plan. I have a plan for tomorrow morning when I get up before I go to work. I've got a plan for the day. I've got some ideas of what will happen down the road. But here, here's the major thing. 
All of you guys may have plans for that morning, but the question is, are you submitting those to God? Are you willing to say, Lord, if that's your will, that's what I'm going to do, right? If, if that's your will for my life, that's where I'm going to follow. And if I'm honest with myself, there are days where that's not even a thought in my head getting up. My thought is to get myself to work, get there before the kids get there, make sure I've got my room ready, and I haven't even taken the time to sit down and go, okay, God, what, what do you have for me today? And so before we get to the money part for tonight, because that's where we're going to be heading because it's a big part of what happens when you think about future plans. Um, I want you to think long and hard about what would your life look different? How would it be different in this next week if you woke up and you said, Lord, I'm, I'm going to submit to you. My, my plans are your plans. All right, so to kind of wrap up that, yet, one of the things I want you to think about is, is this idea of humility. Throughout this second part of James, there's a lot of idea, and you guys discussed this, I think, a couple weeks ago. Actually, it was last week, John, when you spoke, we talked about humility. Um, it's this idea of being humble before God. Um, and the idea of submitting your plans to his is, is an idea of how you can express that humility that you have. Uh, it's not being dependent on your own plans, but being dependent on the plans that God has for you. Okay? And so one of the things I want you to think about, can you guys do one more thing for me? I, like, I teach math. I like to move my hands around a lot. So can you guys hold your hands open for me in front of you? If you guys remember the last round here, I had some of you guys. I think you, you there you go. You were pointing up the entire time. I want you to think about this as a visual for tonight when you guys hold your hands up. Your plans are here in your hands, and you've got a couple options for how you're going to hold them, right? You can hold them with an open hand to God and say, God, I, I think this may be what happens tomorrow. I don't know, but I'm, I'm going to submit to what, what you have for me, right? These, these, are, this is, these are the days that you're going to give me, whether it's just tonight, uh, whether it's tomorrow, whether it's years from now, my plans are, are going to be open to what you have for me. Hey, the other option is this. You close your fists around him. You can make a tight ball in there, squeeze the air inside out of there, right? You're like Cy trying to figure out all his hands. There we go. All right, there's your other option, okay? You can hold those plans and say, God, these are my plans, right? I'm going to be in charge of what this is. Now, um, I might submit to you in like one area. Um, I don't know if you guys were here a couple of Sundays ago. Pastor Dave, uh, he put up, this is, this is last week, he put up a pie chart. You guys know what those are? Yes, and I'm a math teacher, so the immediate moment that went up there, I was like, yes, what are we talking about? This I want to know about. And he was talking about this idea of compartmentalizing your life, breaking it off into little pieces, right? And so sometimes you might say, okay, here's these plans, God. I've got these plans. I've got this. I'm going to take care of this, and maybe this part I'm going to submit to you. But really and honestly, it, it, it's, it's all or nothing here. You're either, you're either holding on to some or all your plans, or you've got the open hands there to God. And so we're going to come back to that in a minute, this idea of are you holding your plans, are you holding the things you have tightly and in your own grasp, or are you opening up and submitting those to God? The other thing I want you guys to think about then is the idea that um, we have a couple of different postures that we can take. Um, and this is another thing from my father-in-law. I'm going to give him credit for this. We were talking a lot about this idea of uh, what it says there in verses 16 and 17, the idea that too often we ask God to bless our plans. And, and as we talked about this more and more, I realized this is a posture I take a lot of times to say, God, I've got these plans. Would you bless them? Is this something that, that you would bless for me and, and take my plans and work through them? And my father and I said, you realize that's a really arrogant way to live. That, that, that's really prideful in yourself. And I had to stop and think uh, that you're right. But that's the way I, I, I hold my plans often is these are my plans. God, can you, can you bless these for me? And I think that's a posture I should take. When in fact, I should open those plans to God and say, God, I, I don't know what you've got planned for me to even tonight. I, I don't know what you've got planned for me tomorrow, but I'm, I'm going to hold those with an open hand to you. Right? And so we're going to keep that in mind right now as we go into the next part. We're going to read some from the beginning of chapter 5. The first time I read this, I was like, man, this, this is harsh. 
There's, there's some strong words in the end of chapter 5. And some of you who are younger um, may not think you're, you're talking about wealth and money here as we get into the next part. And you're going, okay, what does this mean for me? And so we're going to try and talk that through here at the end as well of what that means to you. And it's going to go back to this idea of open hands versus closed hands. So if you guys are in James, we're going to go on to chapter 5, verses 1 through 3 to start. Okay, so if you read these verses, after now he's talking about this idea of um, submitting your plans humbly to God goes into this area of talking to the rich and the idea of how we handle our wealth. And so if we read these first three verses, it says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasures in the last days." I don't know if any of you have experienced some really bad sunburn before. Have you guys experienced any really bad sunburn? Have any of you had any severe burns on your hands at all before? Yes? Yeah? I've only had secondary burns on the ends of my fingers. I decided when I was a little kid it would be a good idea to take the um, lighter in my parents' car and press it in. And when it popped out, it was nice and bright on the end. And I thought that'd be cool to touch. How hot can it really be? Um, I, I, I took my finger and I, and I touched it to the end of that and oh my goodness, I cried for, felt like probably like days and I don't know what my parents were thinking, but they were probably like, that kid is not bright. But I read that too. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Um, I haven't done that since though. So, uh, but this part talks is going to eat your flesh like fire. Um, and it's talking about, um, the power that wealth can have over us. So you go back, can you guys hold your hands out open again? Okay. We talked about our plans being something we want to hold open to God versus, can you close that back down for me again, versus hold them for ourselves. And one of the real critical ways we can do that is through the things that we have. And so we read here about the wealth of the rich. And he says a few things here. He says uh, that the riches are going to rot. The garments are going to be moth-eaten. Uh, your gold and silver are going to be corroded. These are really common ways to express your wealth in that day and age. People who had fine clothing, if you had more than one set of clothing, uh, that was a big deal. Uh, you might store your grain that you have up in silos uh, for where you would store your wealth, or you had fine gold or silver. All right, do any of you guys have gold or silver stored underneath your guys' mattress at home? Yeah? All right, Mason's got some? Okay. All right, Mason shouldn't probably tell. Yeah, there you go. Keep it safe there. You probably don't have big grain silos. Um, the closest one that I think kind of hits with us maybe be uh, the idea of having the fine clothing. But James has some harsh words for the rich and how they've taken advantage of the less fortunate. And here's the thing. I, I don't know if you guys think of yourselves as wealthy. I, I oftentimes don't think of myself as wealthy. But as the more and more I read these passages... And the more and more I think about us in a global sense, I, we, we really are part of the wealthy. And so when I read these words, um, sometimes I think, how is this going to be um, something that's going to affect me and change me? And so those first part, there's several things I want to just point out. Is James has harsh words about the people who are rich um, and how they've treated the less fortunate around them. Uh, the wealth and the riches of our current world aren't going to last. That idea of our life being like a mist or a vapor, or do you remember any of the other words? that I said earlier, smoke, breath, right? This idea that they're going to be passing quickly is also true of the things that we have, right? They're not going to be things that are going to last in this life, right? And so I want you to think about one of the questions that just to be thinking about, what does it look like to store up wealth in the year 2019? I think back in two, uh, 95, 96, when I was probably starting to be around your guys' age, 
probably meant a lot different to me than I did with the age 35. I didn't have a lot, right? Um, what I did have was from mowing lawns. Do any of you guys have any jobs that you do to earn some money? You babysit? Do we mow lawns? I know, yeah, we've got some babysitters mowing lawns. Do any of you help out around the house to earn money? Yeah, no? Uh, you got a real job? Okay. So we've got some new things. And you may not think of yourself as wealthy. But what we do know, right, is that whatever you have, God would expect you to use that uh, in submission to him with open hands. And so whether it's, it's thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars, or whether it's just a few dollars you have, God would expect you to use that as a part of his plans and his will for your life. Seeking wealth in this life is a short-sighted way, and it's going to lead to destruction is another point I want to make sure you guys hear. It can really offer a lot of comfort in the short term. Right? Um, I, how many of you guys are pretty comfortable sitting here right now? You guys fairly comfortable? Yeah, you go home, you're going to be fairly comfortable in your home. Um, and I think about that a lot as I'm doing this. Um, one of the kids just recently in my class asked me why I run so much. I said one of the reasons I run so much is because I like to just be out there on my own. Another one is because it makes me uncomfortable. And there's times in my life where I feel too comfortable. Um, and going out and doing that, it, it puts me in some state of discomfort. And I think that that's something that, that's important for me to experience. The wealth around me and the things I have can set up this type of boundary that sometimes can separate me from God. Right? It makes it really easy for me to, instead of doing this, to do this. To hold those things close. Right? And whether or not you have or think you have a lot right now in this life, you guys are on the front end of that idea. Right? This idea of, of having wealth. You guys are just building your ideas of what that's going to mean for you down the road. And it's important to shape those ideas right now. I'm blessed to have parents who, when I was your guys' age and I would mow lawns, would sit me down afterwards and go, that's what you're in for the week. We're going to put some of this away for college. Here's a little part, like a quarter maybe. I don't know. I could go down to the dime store and buy all kinds of things when I was young because I'm really old, right? You could buy, um, I'd have a little bit to set apart there. And then there was a part that I would uh, give to our church. Uh, and that was what I was raised as to do. And it, it's something that, as I think back to, has probably shaped some what I've done uh, and shaped some of the way I think about money. And so you guys have a, a really cool and unique opportunity to shape the way that you think of your money. Are you going to hold it like this? Or are we going to hold it like this and submit those plans and, and that wealth to God? A um, couple other things I want to do. We're going to read this, this second part, uh, this idea of with whatever you do have, you want to treat your money as something that you're submitting to God as an act of worship. It says, Behold, the wages of the laborers who've mowed your fields, which you keep back by fraud, are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You've lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence, and you've fattened your hearts for a day of slaughter. You've condemned and murdered the righteous persons. He does not resist you. Okay. James is talking here to this rich class of people who have used their wealth to subjugate or to, to, um, to just um, be mean and to, to take it out on, on the poor people. They've not paid fair wages to the workers there. Uh, they've used it to help get themselves ahead and put other people down. And so as you think about these things, that, this idea of wealth, even though you, you may not feel like you've got a lot right now, what you do have I want you to think about how is it that you're holding that. Are you holding that with open hands? Or are you holding that with a closed fist to God? And so one of the last things I want you guys to think about is the idea that we should be good stewards of the money that God has given us. In verses 2 and 3, it talks about the idea of hoarding our money. 
Money should be something that we freely give and we submit to the will of God with open hands. Uh, we shouldn't cheat others out of money. Uh, it says about there in verse 4, we shouldn't live in self-indulgence. Uh, the, the word that used there in the, in the original language talks about a soft life, right? Our money should be used um, in submission to the will of God. And then how you handle and shape your money is what's going to shape your heart towards God. And here in your young age, I know that that may mean different things to you now. But even with the, whatever you have, I want you to think this week as you go out, are you going to leave that with an open hand or are you, you going to close fists on what you guys have? And so I want you to keep in mind a few things. Although this life isn't, uh, is, I should say, is temporary, it's not final. Right? Um, I, as I was reading through these scriptures, I realized I have the opportunity to trust in my own plans or I have the opportunity to trust in the plans that God has for my life. One of the things that I looked up when we were going through this was Matthew 6.24. If you want to find Matthew 6.24, I'd be great if you want to try and read that later this week. Matthew 6.24 says that no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And so I want you to keep in mind that this isn't something that you can do on your own. If I walked out of here tonight and said, all right, I, on my own power, am going to take all that I've got, I'm going to submit it to God. I'm, God, I'm going to do this for you. That would be an attitude of sin, right? Um, the right thing, then, the thing that I know to do is I'm going to say, God, it's, it's in your power. It's in the power of Jesus Christ. It's not through my will. It's not something I can do, but it, it's God's will through me that allows me to do that. And so I want you guys, can you guys go one more time? Just open hands for me. I want you to think as you guys go back and you guys are going to meet for a little bit tonight, with the wealth that you have, with the money you have, with the things that you have, with the time that you have, with the plans that you have, are you going to hold those with an open hand to God? Right? Are you going to do that not only tomorrow morning, but the day after and the day after that? Or are you going to close your hand? Can you guys close them again? Or are you going to take those things and are you going to take those plans and you're going to keep those yourself? Are you going to keep open sometimes and say, God, this is yours? And then when it comes to something else, close them back down and say, no, these are for me. Right? So I want you to think of this week, as you guys are going back in, what would it look like for one whole week for you guys to walk, wake up tomorrow morning to say, God, I'm going to submit my plans to you? Right? I'm not going to make any plans apart from you. I'm not going to use my wealth or my money or my influence apart from you. Um, and so I'd like to go ahead and just kind of close with this idea of uh, I want you guys to be thinking this week about how can you submit not only your plans, but the things that you have, uh, the wealth that you have, to God's plan for your life. I'd like to take a moment to pray for you guys over that as we kind of head out this, this week. Uh, I'm going to hopefully join in and kind of talk with your guys' groups here a little bit. But that's what I want your focus to be on as you guys leave from here tonight. It's gotten dark. The shadows have all gone, right? The snow is gone, right? You guys are heading back to school tomorrow morning. I want you to think, as followers of Christ, are you going to hold your plans open to him? So if you guys would go ahead and close your eyes, um, bow your heads. I'm going to just pray over you guys tonight before we go ahead and split on up. Dearly Father, we just want to thank you for this time to gather here tonight. I want to thank you for the opportunity uh, to, to speak here, to read from your word. I want to thank you for the opportunity to gather with um, these students. Um, Lord, we want to pray tonight that, that we would hold our hands open to you. We'd hold our plans, our wealth, uh, our influence, the things that we have open to you uh, and submit them to your will. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity um, to live here in this world. Thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight. Uh, and if you grant us breath, we thank you for the opportunity to wake up tomorrow morning uh, and to be ambassadors for you to share your gospel message, um, and to be followers of your will for our life. 
Uh, Lord, we just pray uh, for each one of these students uh, as they leave here tonight that they would submit their lives and their wills uh, to your plans. Uh, We thank you, Lord. We love you. Amen.